Chapter 5. I looked at the number 8. Okay, what are you trying to scare Chapter 5, um, at least the first 8 verses. Um, but before we do, I'll have Brother Russ lead us in prayer. Corinthians chapter 5. Before we get into that, um, chapter 4. Any other lingering questions uh, as to something that stood out to you? Or, or maybe just what, what stood out to you? Either a common theme or um, important message uh, that Paul had to the Corinthians there. Anything that stands out to you in that? or theories regarding like why, why would Paul find it necessary to to bring up this message? See, it's much better. 
but you gotta work for it and you gotta wait for it. That's, that's a very good point. Uh, the way that we look at the world, uh, having our minds renewed. The Christian walk is not just um, uh, behavior management, but having a, a different worldview um, about the things around us. And so uh, we are, we're going to see that a lot in chapter 5. The, the key, at least, word that I see that I think Russ mentioned in his prayer uh, is, the, is the thought of being renewed. Being renewed. And this idea of renewal that we can't really have renewal in our lives except through suffering. We, 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 we go through the suffering of this world, but Christ is that source of renewal. Yes, Jess. Just an observation. So something about the fact that Paul is telling me that seems it comes with some credentials when it comes to not losing heart. And I mean, it kind of recounts, you know, a lot of the struggles and the persecution and that kind of thing that he's gone through for him to be able to give the advice, don't lose heart. Um, for me, is is especially kind of uh, inspiring, if you will, simply because of you know I feel like that. Very good. Um, if we perhaps contrast Paul's mindset with, with the uh, negative um, influences, the false teachers uh, that, were, that were prevalent among the, the Corinthians there, which one would uh, be more likely to lose heart? Or which one would be the, the better model of not losing heart? Uh, the, the person who is going through persecutions yet not losing heart in contrast to um, those who, who are preaching a message of, of uh, follow our pathway and you're not going to go through uh, sufferings, not go through difficulties. Very good. Anything else uh, in chapter 4 before we move on to chapter Um, would we be able to get a reader to read for us uh, chapter 5? In fact, it, this is one continuous thought um, or series of thoughts really from mid of chapter 2 to chapter 7. Um, but if we could have uh, just a running start. Someone would read uh, chapter 4 verse 16 through the end of chapter 5. 416 to... 
he who has prepared for us this very thing is God, who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. For we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well pleasing to Him. For we, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body, according to what He has done, whether good or bad. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men that we are well known to God, and I also trust we are well known in your consciences. <coughs> For we do not commend ourselves again to you, but give you opportunity to boast on our behalf, that you may have an answer for those who boast in appearance and not in heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. Or if we are of sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus, that if one dies for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespass to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made himself who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. I've preached through this chapter before. I believe Ryan McCourt has also preached from this chapter before. There's, there's a lot of material, a lot of good uh, things that, that we get to see the spiritual mindedness of, of Paul. And so um, just in the, in the uh, initial reading together, any things that stand out to you in this section? Tony finished our last class with a comment about uh, just being amazed with, the, with God's plan to use us, to work through us as ministers of reconciliation. Um, and, not, and, and he has uh, innumerable um, tools at his disposal that using flawed, weak people such as ourselves in that, and we can see a little bit of that in Paul's comments here. Uh, Alan. When he talks about, we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed with a building from God, a house not made with hands, I kind of think that part there about a house not made with hands kind of goes back to Jesus talking about if you destroy his body in three days, I will rebuild it. And so it's, we have not only our our body that we have, but we have Christ as as the one who's there for us, one who who his body is incorruptible. That's a really good point. Uh, seeing Christ as the as the one who um, is is the model of us of 
that resurrection without hands or um, just this, uh, as it says in verse 1, um, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. He uses some, some language in here. He describes it, uh, this um, outward man, we saw referenced in chapter 4, verse 16, um, as an earthly house, a tent. We also see later on in a couple of verses that it's referred to as uh, clothing and being further clothed as it were. What do you, ma- what do you make of his language here? I, th- I think uh, Alan's on the, on the right track as we think a little bit of, of resurrection Language. This isn't the first time that uh, Paul has has talked about resurrection, uh, even in this book, or even if you think back to 1 Corinthians. Uh, looking at uh, 1 Corinthians 15, we're not going to look at that, but uh, as you look at that, you sort of see maybe a logistical um, component of the resurrection. He sort of talks about what, what that may look like. But here in 2 Corinthians, this is more about the implications of the resurrection on our life now. We, we have this surety, we have this, this affirmation of the resurrection through Christ. How does that impact how we live now? And I think we see, see that here in some of Paul's comments. What, what else stands out to you, Bob? What is the focus of Paul? Is he focused on the here and now, on this uh, earthly tent, or is he looking at something bigger and greater? Yes, to both of things. But he, to me, what I think he's saying is he starts out telling us that we're in an earthly tent. We've got flesh and blood. And then he goes on to say that we're really longing to, for the resurrection, to when we get the, uh, we were groaning, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven, which will be the resurrected body. But in, in three, he said, but we've already put it on. So when we're baptized, he said, we're clothed in Christ. We, we've come up, a new creature. We put him on. We are clothed in him. So we've got it on our, in our earthly tents waiting to so we won't be found naked and we, we've got that body and so but we're waiting and longing for the resurrection resurrected body for from heaven. That's a good point. Thank you. Uh, yeah Raymond. Um, 
That's a good point. That's that's only possible through Christ. That's that um, being present with the Lord. This re- this renewed relationship um, is not is not by my feats and my accomplishments. Yeah. yeah. I think one of the most wonderful things about it, it, if you take verse five and compare Romans eight twenty three, and not only the creation, but we ourselves, who are the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption of sons through redemption of our bodies. For in this we, this hope we are saved. And so it's, it's something that we've already been given the Spirit as a guarantee that we're going to obtain that. And, and, and that's somewhat difficult to contemplate. How is it that I have the Spirit? What is the Spirit that I have? And uh, that, that just, it's a guarantee of salvation and a guarantee of, of that which dwells within us. I, I don't know how to pull it together, maybe someone else can. That's a good point. Uh, the fact that we, we have the spirit within us um, and that, that we, are, we are living for something else. And we, we have that, that uh, affirmation. Joe. I guess more just have a question here, something I noticed uh, in verse three. It says, "If indeed by putting it on, we may have, uh, we, we may not be found naked." <coughs> but then down uh, here in this uh, ESV Bible, uh, at the bottom it says, "Some angels say putting it off." So what are we to understand? If we are putting it off, are we putting off that heavenly dwelling? You're referencing in verse. Three. Three of, uh, number five. Yeah. Uh, if indeed, ha- uh, I, this is uh, New King James. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found um, naked. What? What is? Um, I would perhaps contrast um, this tent, which with with tents, they're temporary, they're uncomfortable, and they deteriorate. And contrasting that with with the eternal state that we that we will have um, that that we are um, that we have just a glimpse of in this ex- in this existence now, and that we will have a, a greater um, manifestation of that um, in heaven. That is something. In, in reference to you know, some manuscripts having putting it off, uh, if we put off. This mortal body, 
we're not going to be left naked because we have that heavenly body that's been prepared for us. So we're not going to be left without. I think it's, it's what the emphasis may be there. We're not going to be found naked by putting off this dwelling and thus dying and being raised. We'll have a new and better uh, hope. Right. There's, there's no thing really in the Bible that, that portrays a um, disembodied resurrection or a disembodied immortality that, that, we, that we will be reunited um, spirit and body but that will look different um, how exactly we may not know uh, Jen and then Bob up here in the front um, backing up to the end of chapter 4 and talking about how the light of affliction is producing a weight of glory far beyond comparison I see the first part of chapter 5 um, almost reminding me of being homesick so maybe not I don't see all of the other um, I know there are a lot more, a lot more details that people are asking questions about but we are groaning and longing to be in heaven and in verse 6 um, we're absent from the Lord and so I That, that's, a, that's a good point. Uh, lest, lest we uh, get stuck in, in, in some of the wording here, looking at how the resurrection, whatever, whatever that may look like, how that affects Paul's mindset. And, and he longs for that. This groaning, it's not necessarily like a grumbling and complaining about his, his current status, but, but speaking with longing and excitedness and anticipation um, f- uh, for what is to come when, when, uh, when the glory of Christ is made full. And, and just to, as a question, perhaps for us to, to ask ourselves or, or, or look into is, do we live with that kind of longing? Do we, do we look with anticipation to the, to the greatness of Christ being made, made complete? Or do we hold on to this small insignificance of, of the day-to-day things um, and, and want to hold on to that as, as, far, as long as we can? Yes, Bob. I don't think I have a whole lot to add, add to that thinking, but all of us sitting in here, we, we understand what he's talking about. And it's, it's uh, wanting to be with the Lord Jesus. To want, you know, it's kind of like what, what Paul said. Uh, maybe he was alluding to this. Just think with me a minute when he, he said, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. All of us will say that our believers, my heart is with him. I'm already there. The struggle is that I'm not. I'm still here. I still am adorned with this flesh, 
and I struggle with it every day. But I know, I know one day he will let me lay this down and I get to fly away and I get to go be with where my heart is. We live our lives with our heart with Jesus and that's reflected in, in how we live and how we love uh, here. Uh, we sense it really hard to articulate. It's, we struggle with it. And that's, a, that's a good point. We'll, we'll be looking at a little bit more uh, in, in, as we get into, uh, say, verses uh, 5 and following. Yes, Luke. Yeah, I think Jen's point about the whole tactical good type of homesickness is a good one. I was talking to Dan Eckhound on Sunday, and I asked him, I had this whole list of questions that I wanted to do as part of the first community class. So people who've been in the big city, people who've been in a small town, just kind of figure out how they had changed their approach to being an ambassador of Christ. And I asked him, what do you think is the difference with why it seems like people are more interested in Sierra Leone and the gospel than on this side? And I think it came down to what Jen said, because he said, they have a tough life in this world, so they're kind of looking for a better one. Okay, but flip that around, and maybe that's what, and it also tells you maybe that's why there's kind of a lack of homesickness here, because we have it to go, right? You can see it's, it's both, I think, would be one of the true. So it's something that, on, in a place like America, we may actually have to work harder to have that good level of that's a good point. That that idea of uh, this world is not my home. We are we are passing through. Uh, uh, Paul and Peter uh, speak of uh, the language of being strangers and sojourners in this in this land. Yeah, right. Hey, Bob, what what verse was that that you just read about? Oh, I'm sorry. That's uh, Ephesians two. Okay. <laughs> just read the first few verses. The thought. Yeah, I was just going to ask Luke, it's funny that he put his hand up, that we should probably check the, the tense of um, the, the part about um, being placed in heavenly places to see is that um, present, because that's one of those interesting verses that provides a, the blessed assurance that we're always looking for, where if this is an already done thing, this is an already accomplished thing, and as, you, as Bob was saying, as you struggle every day, this is also an elder speaking, it, we all struggle every day with that, the, the groaning that, that is being mentioned here. Um, it, it, even, it even sometimes makes it hard to want to plan things because it's, uh, to, to maintain a status quo of, of like a continuation of, do I invest a lot of things here when suddenly this, this isn't where I really want to invest a lot of things in. It just, it just makes me reevaluate things every day. But uh, Luke has an assignment now. Very good. Uh, yeah. Um, in this temporal, this temporary existence, we are called to be stewards. We, we're, we're, we're taking care of the blessings that God has given to us, but do we treat it as, th as though it is permanent and that it is ours? Um, or do we, do we look at it as, as though um, we, we are looking for something greater? Um, good. I, I just find it interesting that um, someone who made his livelihood making tents talks about our existence using tent language. That of, you know, 
Am I comfortable? How long would you like to, to live in a tent? Some people enjoy camping, and that's, that's a wonderful way to experience nature, but, it's, but it, is, it comes to a point that it's, it may become uncomfortable, or things will deteriorate over time. So, what was that? It's time to go home. It's time to, ho- it's time to go home. Very good. And, and, so it, and so he speaks of that in verses 5 uh, through 8. Um, Alan made a, made a point in verse uh, 5. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. He, he actually brings up that idea in chapter 1, verse 22, or uh, 20 through 22. For all the promises of God in uh, him are yes, and in him amen to the glory of God through us. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and, anoint, and has anointed us is God, who also has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. So he brings that idea up again. And we see the proof of the Spirit in our lives is by the fact that we, ha- we have been transformed. We have this renewal. We have this different mindset as opposed to um, the carnal mind, the, the live for now kind of mindset. So, um, Luke, and then we'll, we will move on. <coughs> okay, so I think Brandon's question or point was about Ephesians 2, verse 6. And yes. So future tense, or he raised up that, basically. Okay. Yeah, it's not future tense, so it's like he's saying that you are raised up. I mean, this is talking, I think, the other reading, which supports that reading, most of which is true. Yeah, I think one of the motifs that we see in Ephesians is, is looking at the heavenly realm as not just future, but, it, but recognizing it as, as a present um, thing for us. Yeah, I agree. That's why I've always understood it. And uh, uh, I'll, I'll rephrase that. I've not always understood it that way. Because I doubt the flesh. And before I got to where I am now, I didn't take this literally. That Jesus died for my sins. And it's done. And salvation is mine. And my heart is with him. I have absolute confidence in that. And Paul is talking about that confidence in our current text right here. That's, that's why they, they echo one another. The, the, the same thinking exists there. Uh, but we, you know, we, we, we struggle with being good enough. And, well, that's iffy, you know. Well, no, it's not. <laughs> it's, it's a sure thing. We have the guarantee of the Spirit. Uh, we, just, we just have to get a hold of that. And, and live in the presence of the Lord as we trudge through this life. That's a, that's a good point. Just um, comparing the, the mindset we've, that we still struggle with and, and recognizing that, that we do have confidence. And he brings that up in, in, uh, in verse 6. Uh, starting verse 6. So we are always confident. 
not always guessing and not sometimes confident, always confident, um, knowing that while we are at home in the body, absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well-pleased, rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. I'll go ahead and keep reading through, um, through verse 11. Uh, Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are well known to God, and I also trust are well known in your consciences. Ellen. Um, verse 6 ties in well with Hebrews 11 13. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. For people who speak thus, make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. So we take courage that while we are home in the body, we have something else. We, I mean, we, we don't, we have something in the future, but they, when they, when they died, they didn't receive it. And, and uh, they can only look far off to the past, but we have it now. Absolutely, yeah. Very, very good. That, that idea of Walking by faith. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a short and sweet verse that a lot of people have memorized and put in their houses, but walking by faith and not by sight. That's... You can just sit and think on that. <laughs> um, what does that look like? How does that, how does that manifest itself in our day to day Yes, Bob. Well, again, it's back to focus. When we are walking by faith, and that is, uh, you know, where Jesus is showing us, is is leading us, uh, we're going toward that better home, that better place. We're not letting the things that we see around us distract us from that. We are uh, by faith and not by sight. These are things that are much better than what we see here. And, and, you know, the heavenly goal surpasses anything that we can even contemplate. Uh, The words on the page that describe it are very difficult for us to understand because it is so far beyond anything that we can uh, think of. That's a good point. Yes, Leah. It makes me think of the story of Elisha and his servant and how he couldn't see and Elisha said, help him to see and he saw that those who were for them were more than who were against them. You know, and so I think that walking by faith and not by sight is every day those who are for us are greater than those who are against us. God is our victor and he's already won. 
And that's a good point. Uh, comparing uh, him with his servant, who who act, who saw things and was afraid and was concerned, um, but but Elisha having having a spirit of of bravery, of courage, and and seeing it from that perspective. Yes, yeah, Nina. I think we oftentimes look at this as the temporal and the eternal, but I think it's more of the physical and the spiritual. It's the physical man and the spiritual man because he's talking to two different groups of people here. Those who are covered, who are clothed. And I like the point, going back to Adam, when he created mankind, he created them perfect. Immediately, when they sinned, the first thing they noticed was they were naked. And so... If we aren't covered in the, with the blood of Christ, then we too are naked. So he's talking to the people who are naked and the people who are clothed with Christ. And it goes in, and I think it's a building because he said <clears throat> he left here to, to go and prepare a place. But he left the Spirit with us as a down payment or a pledge and so we have that that down payment with us all the time if we're clothed in him but it's so important to remember you have to be clothed with christ to have that pledge or that down payment of the spirit and we can because the only way we can accomplish that is through and he ends it by saying he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So if we're clothed in him, we are the righteousness of God. And we have to do that by faith. And so if you're not clothed with him, you're not these things. So he's talking to two different groups of people here to make the Corinthians understand what he's talking about. Point well said. Thank you. So I tend to think of verse 7 when he said, walk by faith and not by sight. Um, I think both of those are probably, in my mind, are spiritual. One's not spiritual, one's not physical. Um, because I think that Corinth, Corinth was a very affluent city. Probably one of the biggest commercial cities in Greece at the time. They would have been surrounded by everything they could see. And he's been talking about these things, this, this new tent that we can't see, but it is prepared for us. We probably already have it. We don't even know it. Um, um, it's going to be a spiritual tent. And so I, maybe it's not the only way he's looking at it, but when he says we walk by faith, not by sight, we're not, we're not able to see the things that he's talking about. We're not able to see the spiritual tent that is prepared for us. We're not, we're not able to see the true dwelling where we're going. So we're walking by faith, not because we can see it like we can see everything else around us that we may put faith in, but we're walking by spiritual faith, not by sight, not by what we can see already, but we know that it's laid out for us because he's promised to us. And that's, that's a good point. So it's thinking about what, what that faith looks like, how it views the world around us. Yeah, that's also making me think about know how we live by faith and not by sight, where trying to tie what Alan was talking about, about not, not really being able to describe what the spirit is that, that he's left with us. And sometimes I wonder it's because we have it and 
Exactly. And I kind of want to make a point to renew your mind with Scripture often is Noah preached for like 120 years about God's wrath. And there's a verse here about we know the terror of God, so we persuade him. He had the word of God, but it was probably an actual communication, maybe not written down. And we have the written word of God that contains, with all these uh, people call them myths, but these are actual accounts of things that happen. And I don't need signs. I, I have them all here, and I believe that they occurred, and I believe that Jesus was the fulfillment of them all. And if that's the spirit, that's, that's good enough for me. Um, to have an experience-based faith that is adding rocks to the boat, it feels like. That this is this is good enough. I, I believe everything is in states has occurred and that the fulfillment is in Christ. And it is the faith in his wrath too that has persuaded us. That's probably the main thing is how do I close myself after having sinned? That's a good point. The, I, I appreciate um, the way that we live by faith and walking, uh, seeking to be pleasing Him, to obey Him. Looking at the Scriptures uh, helps us because because when we when we come to it with spiritual eyes, it it helps us in our in our walk. Job, kind of the way I see it, we live in a time where people are so kind of literal. You know, when people, you know, want to question, like, oh, well, how, how can you believe in God if you can't see it? You know, you just, you, you, we have that faith in us, that, that resolve of, well, just look around me. You know, I don't need to, like, 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 like I said, we don't need to, I don't need to see, you know, the golden gates and, you know, uh, I don't need to see that to be like, oh, well, you know, well, it's not there because, you know, I can't see it with my physical eye. It's that faith that's instilled in us through the word and, you know, through what we see around us in God's creation that, that you know, gives us that resolve and that peace to walk in that faith of knowing what to expect in the future. I, I absolutely agree that um, we have been given sufficient evidence and, and if we want to believe, we will believe. If we do not want to believe, we will not believe. Uh, verse 6 
Uh, looking at verse 6, and and following that when we recognize that we have a temporal existence and we're awaiting a, an eternal existence, a, a greater existence, how should that affect us? It should give us confidence. It should give us courage. How are we with that? Do we live with courage? Do we, do we live in reliance on God, or, or do we walk um, with hesitancy, um, as it were? Um, think about um, Paul and his missionary journeys, and what he went through, and what he endured, but having a faithful mindset allowed him to just go to the next town, whether he was stoned or kicked out of town or they sought to kill him. They, he, he walked with confidence and with courage. Um, cowardice is condemned in the Bible. When you think of like Revelation 21, whenever it has the list of those in the lake of fire, the cowardly are in that as well. Like, like that should... That should fe- uh, put fear in us. That, that, that should make us stop and think, how am I living? Am I living in trust to God? Am I looking to please Him? Am I living with confidence? Um, uh, some, some other things just to, just to think about. Um, do we li- uh, live, as we talked about in verse... Um, Verses 8 and 9, we're confident, yes, well-pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Uh, or, uh, excuse me, to be present from the body and to be absent from the body, present with the Lord. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to Him. Um, if we care about pleasing our Heavenly Father, how concerned are we going to be about our own self-image and our self-preservation and the way people think about us? We, we ought to live lives of confidence and, and recognize that whatever may happen is happening to the tent and not to me. Um, other, other thoughts in this section? Verse 10. We're going to run out of time. <laughs> but that, that, that's, a, that's a wonderful question. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may, be, one may receive the things done in the body. Uh, this faith that we have requires walking. You, you can't walk without, um, without faith. Um, Paul is mindful of the eternal potential in, in all of us, the, the, the eternal state of all of us. And, and just to get a, a small glimpse or small taste of this, 
perhaps something to think about for our next class. He recognizes as a logical consequence of that, that we will all be exposed before the Almighty God, and everything that we have done will be revealed to him. We think we see that even in the end of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes 12, 14, that everything will be brought to light. Um, that, that, and how does that affect how I live? How does that affect how I share the message? We, we see uh, the, the, the pinnacle of his point in chapter 5 at the very end is viewing himself as an ambassador. How does us all appearing before the judgment seat of Christ affect what he does as an ambassador, as a representative of the king? And that, that's, a, that's a good, uh, good point. To end, just a thing for us to, to think about. Um, as stewards in the kingdom, if we are not responsible with the tent that we've been given, we're, we can't have the hope of, of something greater uh, afterwards. And so, so thinking about that as we live our lives, I encourage you to, to go with God and walk in the confidence of the faith in his son, Jesus. Thank you all for your comments in class. We'll finish chapter five, Lord willing, on Sunday.